This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 Virtual Ticket Presenting Sponsor, Amazon Music. Hey, everyone. Hello, welcome. Who's having a great podcast movement? Um, thanks to y'all for coming. My name is Dave Zorab. Uh, I am the co-founder of Chartable and now a group product manager at Spotify. A lot of Spotify in the crowd. Thanks to y'all for coming uh, and for being with me instead of eating lunch. I know that's a really tough trade-off and I want you to know that I appreciate you. Uh, so today we're going to talk about podcast trends. Uh, we've got a global trends update uh, of the data that we've been seeing uh, here at Chartable. We're going to dig into data-driven audience growth. Um, we're gonna do a little tiny bit of trivia, uh, and then the main event, I will bring up our dear friend, uh, Eric Sandler from Pushkin, to talk about how Pushkin Industries, maker of wonderful podcasts such as Revisionist History and The Happiness Lab and many others, are using uh, data to grow their audience. So thanks for coming, let's rock and roll. Okay, <laughs> thanks. thanks for that. Um, to start off, global trends update. This is going to be a brief one, uh, but before I even get into the trends, I want to give a quick note on the data. The data that I'm about to show you throughout this presentation comes from Chartable, uh, and uh, the lawyers want me to let you know that it's not from the Spotify app or any other Spotify data sources. This is from uh, Chartable, a uh, wonderful podcast analytics service, uh, which you should check out at chartable.com. Uh, and the data was pulled uh, in the last month or so uh, and uh, in preparation for this presentation. So that's what I've been told to say. I have said it. And we're going to talk about the high level of what's happening in 2022. Uh, it's been the biggest year so far for podcasting that we've seen. We've been around for four years now. Uh, it's just crazy to see the growth year over year. Super exciting for us as a company and for, you know, for podcasting as an industry. We've measured so far this year 16 billion, over 16 billion downloads from over 28,000 podcasts. One of the biggest things we've seen is a massive growth in podcast promo impressions. We measured over 7 billion promo impressions this year, uh, which we're going to dig into later a little bit more about uh, the best ways to do podcast cross-promo. And then we've also measured over 40,000 links to podcasts and uh, millions of clicks on them, many, many downloads on those links as well. So that's the high level. Uh, and I want to dig in not just to what's going on in the industry as a whole, but digging into audience growth. When we talk to podcasters, the number one problem that they have is growing their audience. How many in here? Are podcasters, anyone working in podcasting in this, in, in this room? Really? A podcast moving? Wow. Um, how many of y'all want some more downloads? Anyone? <laughs> yes. Uh, every time we survey folks, it's the number one thing. So the last time we surveyed, 83% of podcasters said that they want more downloads. And it doesn't matter if you are an independent podcaster with 100 downloads or a massive network with millions of downloads. Everybody wants more downloads. And so that's what we're going to focus on. But before I give you any data, I want to just go back to my kind of first principle on this stuff, the first rule of growing your audience is to make something great and make something worth listening to, no matter what. Uh, I love building software to help podcasters grow their audience, uh, but I can't make your show any better. Uh, that's on you. 
uh, and on all the creative minds uh, here at Podcast Movement. So you do your thing, making great shows. We'll do our thing of measuring them and helping you grow your audience. Um, so when we think about growing audience, there's two big channels, two big uh, approaches that we like to talk about. The first is kind of traditional web advertising, uh, posting a link to your podcast on the web, maybe using an email newsletter, maybe using social media. Uh, and also, we like to call out audio for folks who are professionals in the industry and um, have already done podcast promo. You know how effective it is. But for folks who are new to podcasting or are coming to podcasting from a different medium, uh, promoting podcasts on other podcasts works. And so we like to spend a little time talking about that. Uh, no matter what you're doing, it's worth exploring all the different channels you have available to you. So that's social, search, newsletter, all the things I've mentioned. But also, if you're not doing it yet, and I hope you are, uh, to do podcast promo, to think about audio as a really important channel for reaching podcast listeners, because podcast listeners listen to podcasts. So first, let's focus on that, the first of those two channels. We're going to talk about podcast links. Chartable has a service called SmartLinks. Uh, you post a link to your podcast. We'll tell you how many folks downloaded it. Um, we've got some new data on podcast links. Uh, we looked at all the different social platforms that are driving downloads of podcasts right now that uh, folks uh, use in Chartable have been measuring. So the biggest ones that we've seen, uh, and I was actually surprised by this, Facebook and Instagram by far have been driving the most downloads. Um, and I think, uh, at least for me, uh, as my hair gets grayer, I think of Facebook as for folks even older than myself. Uh, but it's been a really effective channel for folks using uh, links to measure their podcasts. And part of the reason for that uh, is that they have these remarketing pixels, which we've enabled on uh, Chartable Smart Links. So for those who haven't been in digital marketing for a while, these pixels help you reach your audience that, for example, click a link to your podcast. You can then serve it up an ad to them in another context, like for example, if they're scrolling through their Facebook feed after they've clicked the link in the, up for an ad for your podcast elsewhere or listen to it elsewhere, they then see your album art or your podcast art show up in their Facebook feed, they can click it or their Instagram feed or LinkedIn, et cetera. So the platforms that support uh, remarketing pixels can be super powerful. And what we've seen when folks put like dollars, real dollars behind that and optimize their campaigns, conversion rates of over 50% from clicking a link to downloading the podcast, which I was like shocked by. I thought the data was like wrong, uh, so we checked it and rechecked it. Uh, but it, it, it shows that with a little bit of work optimizing your campaigns and targeting your audience that you already have, uh, that has seen you in other contexts, that you can really get some good mileage out of social ads. So it's something to think about as you're planning your next campaign. This is going to be impossible for you to see, but what do I want to tell you uh, when you're uh, looking at uh, how long it's going to take for your listeners to show up after you place an ad for your show. Uh, it's going to take a little bit longer than if you're coming from, for example, the display world or like a, I used to work in mobile apps. You show an ad for an app, you click it, uh, you expect somebody to install the app like right away. In podcasting, it's a little bit different. Um, around 40% of folks who click an ad for a podcast download it within the first hour. But after that, there's a bit of a long tail. You get two-thirds of the downloads within the first day. I know you can't really see this graph, but if you go to the brand new Megaphone website at megaphone.spotify.com, you'll see some more data there um, for this graph and for others um, to understand what you can actually expect when you're trying to promote your show on the web. You do get a bunch of downloads right away, which sort of makes sense as a high level of intent. But also, like maybe I'm scrolling through my Twitter feed. I see an ad for, my, uh, for a podcast. I may not be in the right frame of mind to 
dive into 45 minutes of content while I'm waiting for the bus or something. So there's a little bit of a difference here between promoting the podcast versus promoting other media, like for example, an app or a website. And there's also a huge difference uh, in conversion over time when we talk about promos. Uh, again, promo means promoting a show on another show. So for example, if I'm listening to Revisionist History uh, and I hear an ad for Broken Record, do I then go and download Broken Record uh, and listen to it? Um, you've probably heard a lot of these because they work. Um, one huge difference I like to call out right away is that you're not going to see, like if you did a promo for your show for the first time on another show, um, we see, like I mentioned on links, you get 40% of your downloads within the first hour. Here, you only get 10% within the first day. Uh, you get two-thirds within, within the first week, uh, and you'll get 95% of your downloads within the first 30 days. So the, the kind of turnaround time on seeing the return on your investment in cross-promo, it's a lot longer than you might expect. So especially for folks doing promo for the very first time, don't think that, okay, I dropped this promo, it's going to get me a billion listeners right away. It takes a little while. Uh, and so we like to encourage folks to wait, uh, be patient, uh, and as you set up your campaigns, give it a little bit of time before you check in. So this is some brand new data that I'm really excited to share. Everybody loves data in this room, and that's why you're here. Um, we looked at, we get this question all the time, and I finally have been able to answer it, which ad placement works the best for promoting a podcast? So within a show, you know, pre-roll, roll, running the ad before the show, mid-roll in the middle of the show, or post-roll after the show. Uh, do we have any votes on which of these actually performs the best? Raise your hand if you think it's pre-roll. Anyone? Pre-roll? Going out there. Nice, nice showing for pre-roll. Mid-rolls, raise your hand. A lot of hands for mid-rolls. Anyone think post-roll is the best? We got one for post-roll. The post-roll man right here. Um, the answer is pre-roll. Uh, and we have some colleagues here at Spotify at this company called Podsites who have shown that it's not just for promo that pre-roll tends to be undervalued. Uh, it works for brands as well, that pre-roll tends to get a wrap in podcasting as being less valuable than mid-rolls. But as, I'll, as I'm about to show you, it works really well for podcast promo. It works really well for brands advertising as well. So if we think about post-roll as setting a baseline at 1x, uh, that's our kind of base level of conversion. Mid-rolls perform two times better. Pre-rolls perform almost two and a half times better, right? So instead of getting one listener, you get two and a half times the listeners for a pre-roll ad. This is, of course, you know, subject to your actual campaigns. We suggest you actually measure stuff. Don't just take what I'm saying on the stage uh, as uh, gospel advice. Um, but there's an even better option uh, than pre-rolls, which is trailer drops, aka feed drops, aka uh, bonus episodes. That's when you're subscribed to a feed. Uh, let's say it's revisionist history, and you see an entire episode show up in the podcast feed for that's promoting another show. Uh, and the baseline performance for this, if the post roll is like our baseline of one X, it's seven times better, right? So this is a super powerful tool. Uh, this works both within, if you're a podcast network and you have multiple shows to cross promote, it works within the network. Uh, it also works across networks. It's really powerful. If you're trying to buy this space on somebody else's network, it might be pretty hard. It's a pretty valuable spot. But given the performance, it could totally be worth it. So uh, trailer drops are kind of the beachfront property, if you will, of podcasting uh, for promo. So 
to sum up the growth takeaways, uh, you should use as many channels as you can. Use social and web as well as audio. For social, you should use all the platforms you can try. Measure it. Use remarketing pixels if you can. When you're doing audio, don't step out on pre-roll. Promos work with pre-roll. It's great. Check it out. Uh, but trailers are best of all. Uh, and so I'm going to shift gears, take a pause, do a little trivia time. We're going to raise our hands. And then we're going to talk to Eric. And then we're going to do Q&A. It's going to be awesome. Um, trivia time. Which country saw the most growth in downloads uh, this year versus last year? The options are Israel, Croatia, or the Seychelles. Can I see hands for Israel? Israel, good, good show of hands. Very nice. Croatia? Croatia? A little less. Seychelles. Anyone? Seychelles? The answer is all you Seychellians out there. It's the winner. If anyone wants to organize a podcast conference in Seychelles, I'd be happy to speak. So please feel free uh, to send the invite. Um, I was surprised by that. Uh, it was growing from a sort of small baseline, but still saw like massive growth this year. It's pretty cool. Um, which of these, it says country, but it should be territory. Which of these territories saw downloads for the very first time in 2022? The options are, they're probably hard to read, South Georgia and the South Sandwich Islands, delicious. Uh, French Southern and Antarctic lands, and then finally St. Helena, Ascension, and Tristan de Cunha. Can we hear hands for, or see hands for South Georgia? Georgia? Not a lot of hands. French Southern and Antarctic lands? Ooh, exploratory, okay, thank you. And finally St. Helena. Okay, the answer is the first two, a little bit of a trick question. I love the idea of um, Antarctic explorers keeping themselves sane and happy on those long nights listening to their podcasts. I hope they're having a good time down there. Um, finally, uh, which of these fandoms has the most fan podcasts? This is from Chartable Data. So the options are Star Wars, Marvel, or Disney movies. So can we hear, see hands for Star Wars, please? Star Wars? Up, up, up. Okay. Marvel? Big hands. Okay, Disney movies, Disney movies. Answer is number three, Disney movies. I was kind of shocked by this. It's actually, there's just hundreds and hundreds of each of these. Uh, it's really just amazing. It's one of the beauties of podcasting as an industry that uh, there's such deep, deep niches for everyone to go into. But Disney really outperformed here. There's like, I think, four or 500 Disney fan podcasts that I could find just by uh, looking very briefly. Um, so with that, thanks for participating in Trivia Time. We come to the main events. Fireside chat with Eric Sandler, who is Director of Audience Development at Pushkin. Please come on up, Eric. Thanks, Eric, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Pushkin, again, is a maker of wonderful podcasts such as uh, Broken Record and The Happiness Lab, as well as amazing audiobooks like uh, Miracle and Wonder, which we'll talk about uh, shortly. Uh, Eric, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me, Dave. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, I got my notes here. Um, so let's, do it. Uh, let's rock and roll. Uh, so you're the VP of audience development at I'm Pushkin. Director I'm of sorry. Development. I wrote Even down VP promotion. trying to correct myself, <laughs> and he's the director of yes, audience development. You can give a hint to everyone. Yeah. yeah, but if he does a good job, maybe yeah, he'll be a VP we'll someday. We'll see. Um, <laughs> what, what does audience development mean? Yeah, so audience development um, for us, I mean, it's a, it's a broad uh, position, I think it probably means different things at different companies. Um, but for me, what it means is overseeing our digital operations, so social, website, you know, we have direct sales on our website as well, so building that out. 
and then thinking through growth opportunities. So these opportunities around audio promos, I work with our uh, podcast marketing team to optimize those and really look at the data and see what's working, what's not working, what strategies we can do. Um, and then on top of that, it's also, you know, audio is, is really sort of the obvious answer, so to speak, the data supports it, there's an intent to listen there, but what are the other opportunities? Um, so where else can we find people who maybe don't listen to podcasts yet um, or listen to content in a different way? Maybe they're streaming content on YouTube and not looking at podcasts in a traditional way on like an Apple or Spotify or platform like that and how we can bring those people into our shows. Awesome. So um, you, you spent some time working in digital media prior to moving in podcasting. Yeah. What's different about podcasts versus what, we were, what you were doing before? Yeah, so I've worked at a few different companies. Um, so I was a managing editor of the homepage news on AOL, and I've worked at um, with SiriusXM, working on their app and, and the Howard Stern Show and a few of the other shows over there. Um, and I think that there's a lot of similarities, um, but differences-wise, I would say, that audio is a very specific medium, right? Like people are conditioned to engage with print media and videos that pop up in specific ways and a lot of platforms support that. Whereas audio, I think sometimes, it, you know, it feels like a new industry even though there's been radio forever. People see podcasts as a different medium, so to speak. So bringing audio directly to folks without uh, the need of, you know, a visual sometimes is an interesting challenge that you don't run into in traditional media. Um, but also I think that there are a lot of similarities. So, you know, combining, you know, multi-platform. So bringing video with your podcast, is there a simulcast? Are there print components? Is there sort of, you know, thinking around a show, is there a universe of content that you can create with a newsletter and a podcast and, you know, little TikTok reels and, and, and Instagram reels and um, kind of building a universe around that so that your audience is not just necessarily only downloads, but also like a global audience of people who are interested in the content um, and engage with it in different ways and, and creating those different touch points. Awesome. Yeah, we want to dig into uh, the kind of different media um, shortly, but I, I wanted to just kind of go high level here. It's like we talked to podcasters, growth is the number one problem, always, always, always. What do you do at Pushkin to help keep the growth, uh, the audience growth of your shows like super healthy and active? Yeah, so I mean, similar to what the data showed, I mean, audio to audio uh, promotions are, are huge. They're, again, there's that intent to listen already. Um, I think the thing that, that sometimes goes overlooked is finding the right match and, and using the data to find the right match. So, you know, more isn't always better. There's, you know, there's that great quote, more isn't better, better is better. So really finding those uh, shows that are really collaborative, and it's not always just audio to audio either, right? So we find, you know, we have a really great podcast marketing team and, and they collaborate with a lot of different companies. And so we found using smart links and other tools from Chartable that companies like Morning Brew have a crossover audience. So we do recurring um, promos with them and that could be newsletter, that could be, you know, podcast. Um, and really finding your fit and experimenting with different partners is, is the key. Um, and then optimizing, like you said, I mean, targeted audience on social and web, finding different touch points so that people can engage with it in different ways and exploring, you know, if, if audio is sort of the front door to your podcast, where are the side doors and, and where's the back door and where's the trap door and how can you get people to, to fall into your, your podcast and, and find out, you know, maybe they don't listen to any other podcast, but they're interested in the topic. So um, I think a great example is we have a show hosted by Rick Rubin called Broken Record. Um, and weekly interview-based show, and um, 
Rick produced the latest Red Hot Chili Peppers album. And so as opposed to doing sort of like one, you know, Red Hot Chili Peppers episode, we gave ourselves a runway. So he did an interview with each of the band members and it allowed us to align a lot of promo all at once and really create a moment out of it. So that was newsletter buys, that was social ads, that was audio promos on other music shows, that was platform promos on Apple and Spotify, um, CastBox and a bunch of other places. And it, and it really gave us a lot of time to focus on that promotion and create a not just like a day or a week or, or a small amount of time, but focus on it for a month. And we saw downloads skyrocket. I mean, they were That's really awesome. huge. Yeah. Um, I, I will say I just finished a road trip to Michigan with my fam, and a lot of Red Hot Chili Peppers came up on that one. <laughs> um, so if you're looking to set Nothing a trap to get your podcast audience, maybe you'd set the trap under the bridge. Sure, sure, um, sure. Okay. Uh, so, so <laughs> um, the you mentioned that like you know it's really important to kind of try these different experiments. Uh, you know, find different partners. Like Morning Brew has been a great partner for you guys. Like, how do you go from and, and obviously you measure it using great tools such as Chartable. Uh, but okay. how do you go from, you get the data, you get the measurement, you run this experiment, and, and then what? Like how do, you, how do you get to some kind of action, right? Yeah, so I mean, there's always this thought of like, okay, we gotta collect data, we gotta collect data. And then I think something that, that sometimes goes missed is creating a moment, like formally setting a moment for analyzing that data. So whether you're setting that a week later, a month later, um, I think it's important not to wait too long, right? You don't want to wait to the end of a seasonal show to, to look at all the data. So really create a moment where you're gonna say, okay, here's where we're measuring the success and then pivoting if it doesn't work. Um, so I think outside of actually measuring the data, you have to you know, set the time where you're gonna look at it, analyze it, and then also communicate it with your team, right? Like there's some people who have you know, one person on the team has access to Chartable and they're looking at it and, and no one else knows what that data is showing. So really opening that up and sharing with the production and the business teams so that you can come to a decision of like, is this a worthwhile partner? Should we pivot to, to somewhere else? Is this someone that we should go back to for another show or, or for another episode? Um, and really taking that moment to, to set, but it's important to, to take that moment and really look at it, um, because a lot of times people just collect data and it's like, all right, we have all this data, we didn't do anything with it, or it's too late, or we wait until the end of the season, it doesn't give us enough time to make a change when needed. Yeah, for sure, I think that's a really good call out for folks, um, you know, always try to encourage us uh, to, and I think when we write this up as a wonderful blog post, <laughs> which we will do, uh, we'll make sure to take a note of setting a formal time to actually check in on the stuff you're trying, because it's, it's something that really often gets lost. One of the biggest complaints we often get about the stuff, the software we make, is that it just throws a bunch of numbers at you. Uh, and the actual, like, what to do with those numbers is up to you. Like, yes. you have to, I can't, I mean, we can't make the show grow. It's, we can help you figure out what's working, but it's up to you to set it up and then also kind of follow up, right? Yeah, and, and to that point, too, I mean, the other thing I would say, and we've seen this time and, time and again with campaigns, is, you know, a million scattershot impressions across promos is not necessarily always as valuable as you know 300,000 super targeted ones like you want to find your audience and those people will convert even if you get you know more from a bigger feed drop or more from you know a bigger promo those people might not stay on for another episode if they're not the right audience so getting the the specific audience that might be interested in your show is super important and I thought it was, it was really interesting what you were saying about feed drops being kind of like the seven times more effective, which, is, which, which tracks with what we see. Um, and, and we've sort of internally been doing some, um, some looking at that data and, and, and really 
asking specific questions about it, right? Like, if you just look at the data, you go, oh, I have all this data, whatever. But if you ask specific and probing questions around the data, then you'll get more out of it. So does a 30 or 60 second ad perform better? Does a full episode feed drop perform better than a teaser clip? Does a, um, a host intro on a feed drop make a difference? And it's something that we have seen, right? Like, we, we have a new car show. Um, which is really great. And so we used Revisions History as a way to launch that show. So Malcolm is, uh, is hosted by uh, former editor-in-chief of Car and Driver Magazine, Eddie Alterman. And Malcolm is friends with Eddie and, and is, appears on the show. And so really having Malcolm have that conversation with Eddie beforehand and putting that at the top of the episode to show people why they should care, right? Like the Revisions History audience is a Malcolm audience. It's very specific. So if they go in there and there's no intro, it's just a car show and they're like, why am I interested in this? They might drop off. But uh, when, when there's sort of that context given, it gives a lot more uh, follow through with people. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing for that. Anything else you can share about what, what you've seen as far as like promo strategies that have worked? Yeah, I mean, so I think it's specific show to show, but I mean, we, so we've seen, we, we were digging into the length of, of promos and we've seen that 30s perform slightly better than 60s, which is interesting. So it's not always, again, like longer content, even though you can grab that attention. I think making punchy, good content sometimes works better and, and you have that attention for a few seconds. And so really making that count um, is, is really, really great. Awesome, thanks for sharing. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit. Uh, we had mentioned a little bit earlier that um, Pushkin has put out uh, audiobooks, yeah. um, including one that I really enjoyed, uh, which is called Miracle Wonder. It's a series of conversations between Malcolm Gladwell and Paul Simon. I love Paul Simon. I'm an elder millennial with the heart of a boomer, I guess. <laughs> um, I thought it was great. Uh, and um, one of the really interesting things, besides the fact that y'all are doing audiobooks in addition to podcasts, is that you're delivering these audiobooks via RSS, yeah. right? Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that, that decision behind that strategy, like how that works? Definitely, yeah. So um, we started putting out audiobooks, uh, which, which I will say as a consumer of audiobooks are just at a different quality. And, and I'm saying that not as a Pushkin member, but just as, as a listener. I mean, they're, they're like a podcast, right? They have, sound, they have sound design, they have archival clips, they have interviews. Um, and so it's really an immersive experience. Um, so it's very similar to how a podcast listener would engage with content. And so there's this thought, right, that like we have a massive podcast audience, we can convert those people to audiobook listeners as well. And uh, the way to do that might be allowing them to listen to an audiobook in their podcast apps that they're already listening to, Revisions History, Broken Record, or Happiness Lab. Um, so we sell them directly on our website. We also sell our audiobooks, you know, at traditional retailers, Audible and, and Apple Books and all the places that you would typically buy. Um, but I think what's special about having that audience um, sort of in the private RSS realm and, and direct with us is the ability to know who, who our audience is, right? Like, you're, if you have your podcast on Apple and Spotify on these places, if you have your audiobooks sold places, you're really renting that audience. You don't have a direct connection to them. You can't email them necessarily. You can't talk to them. Uh, in the direct realm, we collect email addresses, um, and we're able to really communicate with those people and, and uh, sell them other products that they might want, or even just give them free merch. Like we, we sent an email uh, two days ago, giving sort of like our super users who are who are um, Pushkin Plus subscription members and, and audiobook purchases some of our new revisions history merch. Um, so having that two-way conversation is super important to us. And then on top of that, I mean, we've used Chartable to really measure the value of our network. So. You know, it's a podcasting is a hugely ad sales driven business, but also you can have a direct to consumer business as well. So, what's the value? What, what what's the lifetime value of a podcast listener? And that's something that we're trying to land on. And 
outside of, you know, someone who listens to our podcast every week or every day or whatever it may be, do they purchase audiobooks directly from us? Do they have a subscription? Are they in the Pushkin realm overall? And with the help of, of, of your team at Chartable, I mean, we've been able to, to track that and get a lot more understanding around it. That's awesome. It's super exciting. I feel like it's really interesting. Everybody in podcasting that I've talked to has been interested in diversifying their revenue streams. So um, it seems like uh, audiobooks has worked out really well for you guys. It's great. I highly recommend them again. Like as a user, we, we really have some great audiobooks. Um, and if you're a fan of any of our podcasts, I think you'll really, really love them. So what about, you had mentioned video also being something that you guys are, are playing with. How does like other media, like video, TikTok, et cetera, how does that all fit in? Yeah, so I mean, I think for some shows, uh, it could make sense to do to do a video simulcast. So we could have a full interview version of, of one of our, uh, or full video version of one of our interview shows. But then looking at some of our others, like Revisionist History or Narrative Driven, The Last Archive, I think that there's video bonuses that can be created that would just be another touch point for folks. So we're bringing our podcast to YouTube as a platform, which we've found has been really, really great for discoverability, right? Like we have a standalone broken record channel, which was our first. It's up to 87,000 subscribers, gets a whole bunch of people who don't listen on the other platforms in, um, and giving them little teasers and, and little videos and, and extras, and even taking the episodes to the next level has been super interesting for us. So we're just, we have Malcolm, you know, we had um, guitarist and comedian Dave Hill, who created a parody song for one of the episodes. So we went into the studio and we filmed, and we made a fun video of it, right? Like it's extra content that people are interested in. Um, so I don't think it always has to be sort of like this full episode um, that you're putting out at the same time as the audio. I think that there's a lot of benefit to people engaging with two, three minute clips as well as the full episode and that'll just bring more fans, right? If someone sees something that they're super interested in, they might go, they might discover Malcolm from that. Or they might discover Lori Santos from a meditation video. Um, and that's super valuable because the discoverability is, is you know, an issue that we all look at. Awesome. Uh, so we're, we're going to get down to a Q&A in a couple minutes, but if you had one tip, one weird old tip mm -hmm. to help podcasters grow their audience, mm -hmm. what would it be? So I'm going to say as a global, use the data. I mean, that's the point of the panel. Use the data. Use the, use the data. Use the data. I love it. But also, I think uh, my, my, my sort of other side of the tip will be... Um, Go, go micro on how you're thinking about promoting your show. So like you can think about it at a brand or network level, you can think about the promotable, marketable moments from a show level, but also we've seen so much success from promoting specific episodes. So with a show like Revisionist History, so big, how do you grow such a big show? Look at, you know, Malcolm did a uh, Little Mermaid series about why The Little Mermaid is bad, which everyone should listen to, three episodes. Um, and, and we went to a totally different audience than the typical revisionist history audience and brought it to new podcast swaps and new newsletter swaps and new audiences, and it was super successful for us. And then on top of that, when you're thinking about other platforms like TikTok and Twitter, like find 15 seconds that's interesting. You can find one moment that's marketable in an episode that you can grow off of, and, and, and it'll totally aid discoverability and, and find new audience. I'm gonna have to listen to the controversial Little Mermaid is bad. Oh, you have Serious. to, especially with my kids. daughters are like super into it. Yeah. As are mine. As are mine. But listen, you have okay. a new view on it. Yeah, we're gonna stick a pin in that because <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna come back next year with some notes. Yes. Um, but uh, we're gonna open it up. Thank you so much, Eric. Sure. Uh, we're gonna open it up to Q and A. Does anyone have uh, anything they'd like to ask uh, one or both of us about audience growth, data-driven insights? Um, I have a question about. Obviously, there's a ton of podcasts that are released every day, and at some point you know, not everyone is gonna be successful. What are your parameters for deciding when a podcast is, you know, not gonna be worth developing even further? 
uh, sorry, the, the question is like, when, when, do you, when do you cut it when off, basically? When do you say no? Yeah, I mean, I think that's different. Uh, depends on your scale and on your network. You know, we look at a lot of factors when we're looking at KPIs. So there is downloads, right? Like that's sort of like the base level that we look at downloads. But there's also um, like potential. Is there is there there there? Like is there is there something that you're looking at that like we haven't achieved this yet, but it's really possible and we just haven't cracked it yet? I think that that's something like downloads aren't the end all be all, right? Like we look at downloads as a measure of somewhat of success. But then also there's ad sales. Is, is this in a category that, that advertisers are really interested in? Maybe it's travel where there's not so many other podcasts. Um, and is it driving conversation, right? Like, is there engagement happening on other platforms? Maybe it's a smaller listening audience, but it pulls out, you know, a huge conversation on Twitter or something like that. Um, so ultimately, like, yes, at some point you have to go, hey, it's not working. Let's pivot. Let's, let's change it up. Let's try something new. Um, but I think that there are a lot of factors outside of just simple downloads that, that can tell you that. Uh, question on the front here. So Dave, you mentioned earlier about paid social. Eric, you talked about video. Question on organic social. If you're posting stuff for your podcast, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, wherever it is. Curious if you have best practices of maybe does the chartable link go in the first comment as opposed to a link in the original post where the algorithm might hurt you? Are you better to do a still image, video? Um, do you have just any general best practices on what to do as far as how to post organically so that the algorithm doesn't really kill you? Yeah, I mean, I'll say that the platforms, number one, the algorithm's constantly changing, but um, we work with partner managers at Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all these places. You know, the algorithm for links and tweets is a little uh, more forgiving than Facebook. I think organically, Facebook is pretty tough on those links, and so it's, it's meshing with their priorities, right? So I'll give you a good example. Um, Malcolm did a Facebook newsletter that he does about twice a month, and that's a priority for Facebook. So working with them to what are they focused, so if they're focusing on short form video and newsletter and, and some of their other products, then fitting into that and then slipping in the smart links in the newsletter or slipping in the, the smart links in a comment to that video. But, but again, it's always changing. So really staying in communication with them, reading what updates they give, um, has been has has been useful to us, but there's not an end-all be-all answer um, outside of just like see what their priorities are and try to fit in. They're a business and they're trying to do what they're trying to do, and that's not always conducive to you growing your podcast. But as an Yeah, they usually post what they're, and, and you can usually tell like what their, um, what their priorities are. So even if it's not, you know, you can't post audio directly to Facebook. So creating like a little video, even if it's, you know, say you're the host of your podcast, even if it's you sp speaking directly to your phone and creating a little video, that's going to get more distribution. And then as people start engaging with it, drop the link in there. I, the only thing I would add is just, yeah, experimenting is, th there's no be all end though. I wish I could come up and say, well, yeah, this is it. You just do this thing and it's yeah. going to totally work. Um, but uh, it's changing all the time, like you, like you said, like you said. Uh, so just try different things. I would also just say don't ignore any platform. Yeah. Uh, like we, for example, see a lot of engagement, depending on the show, I don't know what your show is, but on LinkedIn, for example, um, which a lot of folks don't often think about um, as a platform to, to look at. So just say, Try everything, try anything, and then if you've tried something a year ago and it didn't work, it still might be worth trying again, you know? 
Yeah, the, the other thing I'll add to that too, right, is like, you don't always need a link, right? Is if, you're, if you're focusing on, you know, you want people to find your show, put the show art in a video, you know, Instagram obviously is prioritizing reels, and so we're starting to create a lot of reels content, and it's like, you're not gonna, you, you can't put a link there, but you can drive home the brands, like, hey, you know, make sure that you're saying the name of the show, where you can find it, you know, what that show art is, always ending or starting with the show art, so at least if someone's searching for it, it'll pop and be like, oh yeah, that's the one, that's, that's what I wanna listen to. Hi, um, my name's Amanda. I work for a podcasting agency called Share Your Genius. And so one thing that you guys said that resonated with me was look at your podcast's performance uh, more frequently than just at the end of the season, you know, or at the end of the year. What are some baseline insights that you as a company try and look at to say, are we doing well here? Do we need to change things? What are some of those few metrics or insights that you always look at regardless of what the, the show is about or where you guys are at? I mean, I think one interesting metric that, that's, that's um, super imperative to audience growth is new listeners, right? So uh, Chartable has metric new listeners. Um, I think the rolling day is like 60 or 90 days. Um, and so we always take a look if like we're if we're running a promo, is that bringing in or or if we're doing a feed drop from another show on the Pushkin Network, are we bringing in new listeners or are we bringing in you know people who have already heard the show? Uh, depends if seasonal, weekly, whatever it may be, and also where people are listening. So like you know a lot of listening happens on Apple and Spotify and different platforms. So like is there a huge surge in people? Should we double down on you know doing a promotion with a platform because it's really resonating there? Um, so outside of that, you know, the, the amount of time that we're always looking at, you know, how long can we keep someone and someone coming to listen to one episode or are they coming to listen to the full season? Or are they subscribing weekly and trying to combine, you know, Chartable helps us combine that data as we're looking at Apple followers versus people who subscribe or follow on Spotify versus people who use other apps versus people who are on web, really seeing just like a conglomeration of like, uh, how long are these people staying with us? And if they're not staying with us for very long, why not? Yeah, I would, I would also call out the consumption metrics. So um, Spotify and Apple also have, um, you know, kind of a graph of like where folks are dropping off in your shows. And you can look at, you know, which, app, you know, which things are resonating more with listeners or not. And if, you're, if folks aren't sticking around on an episode by episode basis, that's like a call out to like, I, what's different about the shows that people are listening all the way through versus stuff that they're not. Like what's resonating more with the listeners there. So I think that's kind of an underutilized uh, metric as well, certainly from an editorial perspective in terms of like what's connecting. One other thing that I'll add too is um, we look at, at the overall downloads of a show, like especially for a show that's been going on for a while, looking at something that's overall doing well, people may be discovering the first season of it when you're in season five. Um, so not, you know, New listen, new listeners in a new season is good, or existing listeners in a new season is good, but also just the overall health of a show can be people looking at the back catalog and discovering it for the first time and becoming new new listeners and new engagers. Hello, um, I always think like data is only as good as the analysis, right? So I'd be super interested in any like unique ways you think you are using the data to help tell the story of what is and isn't working, like success metrics you were saying could be anything, but how are you like drawing from different sources or you know, coming up with hypotheses that can't be fixed by Chartable today and then trying to design around them, if that makes sense. 
Sorry, what are it? unique ways that you're using the data to tell the story, that the data alone doesn't tell the story? Am I, am I capturing this correctly? Yeah. Like, so you could look at Chartable and say we had 2.5% um, conversions from this promo. <clears throat> and ergo, it was like better or worse than the last one that we did. But that's not always the biggest problem that you have to solve as a marketer. Um, so are there questions that you're trying to solve and you're using the data to solve them in an interesting way? Yeah, so I think also looking at um, categories of data and combining them. So to, the, to that point of creating a moment, how does a promo plus a PR hit plus paid social ads all combine in one moment to drive downloads and whether that's chart position, which then drives you know additional downloads, or whether that's something that we're looking at that's like uh, time-based. So is creating one big moment um, you know, more beneficial to us than like stringing something out over the course of a season. And so like we found that, that making that moment and, and creating like a lot of press hits, promos, paid social, organic social, all, all kind of like all that firepower all at once has done really well for us launching a show or launching a season um, and, and driving, you know, consumption around that. Um, but outside of just sort of like that core performance, looking at the, the overall picture. So how does that promo combine with the other pieces of the marketing campaign that we're doing? Um, and then seeing what effect that has. You know, a promo could perform 2.5% uh, conversion rate, and that's better than last time. But like, does that have an overall effect on the growth of your show? I think you have to look at the broader picture to really assess that. I have nothing to add. <laughs> Uh, Apple overall. Um, they have a podcast app, and then they also have the news app, and I use that news app quite a bit now. Yeah. And I've been noticing a lot of like podcast links on that too, and like advertising return podcasts. And I think now they have like like the New York Times Daily, like the show. So they have like a daily episodes for their news app too. And I'm just wondering, like, do you guys see a lot of growth in that area, like people coming from the news app, or also like where do you think this is going to go with Apple overall? Like they have this podcast app but then they also have this like news app. Are they gonna have two different apps going forward for, for podcasts? And that's all, thanks. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have much insight into, into Apple's plans, sadly, I wish I did. Um, but, you know, I, I can't say that we've seen a ton of growth around podcast consumption through the news, but I think that it's a natural fit um, in terms of, depending on what the, you know, the daily is, is a good example, if you have a daily news show, that is laying into consumption patterns, right? Like you wanna create um, a habit amongst people. So if someone has the habit of going to the news app and engaging with the New York Times in print, maybe they discover the daily and, and that pops up and maybe now they become a daily subscriber. So if they're tapping into a new audience with podcasts, like I am all for that. I think that that's a great thing. Um, I don't know what they're gonna do with two separate apps or, or however people end up engaging with it, but I think it all goes towards that um, main goal of, of creating a habit and taking people who consume media in different formats and bringing them to the audio format. If I'm dropping uh, a brand new show in terms of best practices for trailer drops and promos, what's the best timing for that? What's the best, what's sorry, best timing? timing. Um, so, there's, there's a few lines of thought on this. I would say my main recommendation around that is when you're doing a feed drop, you want someone to be able to come back to your feed and have content that they haven't heard yet. So if you have one episode out and you're doing a trailer drop or a feed drop somewhere else um, and it's the same content, 
I don't think you'll pick up as many subscribers as if you have two, three episodes, you do a feed drop on another show or a trailer drop on another show and they come because people want to immediately have that immediate hit where they subscribe and they go, okay, now I can listen or I can download or I can you know, save this for the next day. Um, so having new content that someone hasn't heard I think is super important and we've seen that in the data as well. Um, and outside of that, I mean, you know, you hit it early, you assess the data, you see what worked, and then find another show or find the same show or, or see, you know, where that audience is coming from. A few of them won't work. One of them will have a really great conversion rate, and you want to go back to them and go, what else can we do if, you know, the trailer drop did really well? Can we run some audio promos on your network, even if it's not another feed drop, and really double down on that audience? Um, as you're growing that and as you're growing the show and go back with different moments. There's gonna be those moments in the episodes that really resonate with different audiences. So if you do a feed drop or a trailer drop at one point and then you go, hey, like, you know, two months later, this, this episode is about cars and, and your feed is about cars. Like, this will be a really good fit with your audience. Can we, can we swap? Can I buy a feed drop? Can I do something? Um, but I would say my, my main recommendation would be have enough content in there where someone lands on it and they feel like this is interesting, I need to uh, subscribe. Awesome. Well, can we get a round of applause for Eric from Pushkin? Thank you all for coming out. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Eric. It was really awesome. Hope to see you all soon. Thank you.